you're tuned in to the Three Pixels podcast. This episode is produced by Martin Gregory. Hello and welcome back to the Pixel podcast. I'm Martin Gregory and today you're listening to The Gaming Corner. Today we're going to be talking about the next gen consoles. This is a great time to talk about it as PlayStation have announced some details following the PS5. With Microsoft, they're talking about their new digital console, as well as Google Stadia, which I believe will be a massive contender in the world of gaming consoles. So before we talk about the new shiny consoles that are coming to us, let's quickly take a step back and look at the PS4. With more than 90 million units sold, the PS4 has already sits at number six on the best selling consoles of all time, slightly higher than its predecessor, the PS3. This also means its sales have dwarfed that of the Xbox Ones. However, Microsoft continues to refuse the release of the exact sales figures for its console. So I bring this up because when I think about gaming consoles, I honestly think about PlayStation and the Xbox. I'm really sorry about Nintendo fans out there, but those two are the big dogs in the yard. And in the last couple of days, Sony and Microsoft have announced plans for their new consoles. Let's start with the PS5. At the moment, the details of the new console are patchy at best. We don't even know if it would be called the PS5. If I was a betting man, my guess would be it'd be called the PS5. Mark Cerny, PlayStation's architect at Sony, revealed only what you'd expect as basic for the next-gen console. Improved specs such as GPU and ray tracing, 3D model sound, which Mark Cerny believes will be dramatically different to the PS4 audio. Storage, the PS5 will have an SSD. Resolution support, the PS5 will have up to 8K support, presumably including full 4K. Just as a quick side note, I remember when consoles started doing HD, the 1080p, and now we're on 8K. How times have changed? Right, let's get back to it. Sony recently started to explain its plans for the next generation of PlayStation, suggesting it could be closer than we previously thought, but it still isn't too close as the company has now ruled out seeing it any time in the next year. Sony's recent PlayStation reveal points to focus on the ultra high end as Microsoft and Google move to streaming. Speaking of Microsoft, they have taken the first step into offering an all-digital console with the Xbox One S All-Digital Edition. It remains to be seen if you could class this as the next generation, as well as will all the generations be digital? There's a lot of pros and cons to this, but I'll come back to will it all be digital in a minute, as this could tie into Microsoft plans to launch a streaming platform codenamed Project X Cloud, which could reduce the need for physical media. Codenamed Maverick, the premise of Xbox One S All Digital Edition is pretty simple. It comes without a disk drive, thus meaning it will be the exact same specs as the Xbox One S, but removal of the disk drive which will allow Microsoft to reduce the components shrieking in the console and being able to market it for a cheaper price. Windows Central reports we could see a diskless Xbox One S console launch globally within a matter of months. 
early May is being touted and you can already pre-order this console. Now, let's go back to what I was going to talk about, the pros and cons. The downside to such a console, obviously enough, is the users will be restricted to buying all their games from the Xbox Store, no disc copies, which means no tradings, and no more lending games. However, this isn't an entirely bad thing, especially for game developers, where now they don't have to make so many physical copies on discs. Although discs are relatively cheaper now than they were, it still costs a lot of money to export the games out to different countries and across the world. So now being able to upload the game on a server where then the customers can download the game makes things much more easier and cost effective. Perhaps most critical to all of this is the pricing. On the surface, it sounds like the target plan for this Xbox One console is to get it into as many homes as possible for as cheap as possible. However, they'll face stiff competition from a new competitor coming up, Google's Stadia, an all streaming gaming platform. Google's cloud gaming venture started with Project Stream and has now taken shape as Stadia, which has been announced at the GDC in 2019 in San Francisco on March 19th. The best way to explain how this will work out is a Netflix style video game platform and it's aiming to flip the gaming industry on its head by eliminating the need for pricey consoles as well as putting an end to an hour long download times and even taking on live stream platforms such as Twitch. It's Google's first big bet on video games and the company is betting big. So why do I talk about Netflix? Because this has been dubbed the Netflix of gaming. Stadia will offer the users a library of games they can choose from and begin in just a click. No downloading or installing required. Google services will run the game and send the users visual output through the internet and up-to-date 4K resolution at 60 frames per second at launch and with the 8K at 120 frames per second available sometime in the future. So how are Google achieving all this? They've just teamed up with chipmaker AMD to build a specialized GPU for its data centers, which Madge Baker, head of the engineering for Stadia, claims will be the graphics card to rule them all. Now, here comes some real technical numbers, and I'll try and explain them, but as we all know, I'm not the tech guy. The graphics chip is said to deliver 10.7 teraflops of power, meaning it can complete 10.7 trillion operations a second, compared to the PS4 Pro's 4.2 and the Xbox One's 6 teraflops of power. And all of that will be complemented by a custom-made 2.7 gigahertz of 86 PCU with 16 gig of RAM. Well, I'm not too sure what this means, but I know someone who can help. Hello, Martin. Nice for you to call me. Well, it's great to uh, hear you again. And yeah, I'm sort of just stuck at the moment. Right. Is it like last time? Because I honestly, I can't, I can't keep doing this anymore. Maybe a little. But no, okay. this, this time we're talking about the Stadia. And I've run into some tech elements and I have no idea what any of it means. All right, I'll, I'll try and help you out. 
Tell me what you're stuck with. Okay. I hope this makes sense to you, because if not, we're in deep trouble here. I'll talk about the graphics chip, and it's said to deliver 10.7 teraflops of power, meaning it can complete 10.7 trillion operations per second. My first question is, what is a teraflop? And later it talks about the 2.7 gigahertz and 16 gigs of RAM. Like, what does this all mean? in terms of the console. Okay, so yeah, it's quite interesting actually, because Teraflop is banded around a lot in the gaming world. And I think the large portion of the community don't really know what it means unless you're a real computer nerd and, and you follow a lot of this and maybe you're really into PC gaming. So a Teraflop is just really a way of measuring the power of computer-based um, power on mathematical capability rather than on clock speed. So you hear gigahertz a lot in the processor world, 2.7 gigahertz, 2.5 gigahertz, but that's kind of more of a clock speed, how fast it can technically go, but Teraflops is measuring more how fast it is mathematically at doing equations, which is really important in gaming terms because there are a ton of equations in code that it needs to run through and it's how quickly it can do that. So it really refers to the capability of a processor to calculate one trillion floating point operations per second. So saying something has six teraflops, for example, means that its processor setup is capable of handling six trillion floating point calculations every second, on average. Yeah, that makes more sense to what I'm hearing. So what's this on here with the 2.7 gigahertz? If could that go higher? If um, or is that like the is that a norm of today? It's probably the base clock, but it's hard to tell because this is all kind of new stuff. And they're saying it's a custom-made chip, which uh, we know it's going to come from Intel because it's on the x86 platform, which is Intel's platform. So it's kind of hard what it, and hard to tell what it's going to be. It probably is either going to be a high-end i5 or i7 equivalent, I reckon. Um, I, I assume that the 2.7 gigahertz is going to be the base clock speed, which means that it, it probably will turbo boost up to something higher, probably 3.7, 3.8 maybe. Um, depending on what kind of cooling they're running in there. And it really all depends on a, a multitude of things because you're kind of running a virtual machine on a server, it's really gonna depend on how they allocate performance. So you might be getting a processor that has 2.7 gigahertz allocated to you, but I don't know how many um, cores they're allocating and what other things they're running in the background and what else is going on. So it's, it's, it's all going to really determine on optimization and how they allocate it. Because you could have a really powerful server that they're running, but if it's really badly allocated or it's just not able to cope with the traffic, then you might not get the full performance. It's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, 16 gigs of RAM is, is the standard in a lot of computer builds, especially in gaming. You don't ever need anything more. So uh, it's good that they're kind of standardizing a lot of stuff. But it's, it's kind of a little bit vague. It's really hard to tell. It's gonna be one of those things that we'll have to wait and see when people start using it, what the performance really means. But on paper, it sounds interesting. And what is this x86? What does that actually mean? Sure, just to be a little bit clearer, x86 is an Intel CPU architecture. I mean, it originated a very long time ago, 1978, and it, the x86 bit is used generally to refer to as any 32-bit processor compatible with the x86 instruction set. So it's been around for about 40 years. It's very well known and well established. It's really great because by supporting the x86 architecture, you're actually supporting games from over the years, games which have been made since the dawn of PC almost. So I'm hoping that um, that's the plan with that, is that you'll also be able to play some really old um, classic computer games, not just the new stuff, because you're supporting that platform. So it's it's been a smart move, I think, by Google to do that, because they're not limiting themselves in support, and they're trying to make it as easy as possible, I reckon, for developers to add support as well, because it's one of the most well-known um, 
processor platforms. Brilliant. Well, I just clear up much more because when I first looked at this, I thought, yeah, but with with your help, <laughs> Ben, I, I understand it much more, and I can see uh, sort of the moves that Google are trying to make. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a lot of smart things. I mean, Google have a lot of money. They 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 know how to do research, and they've been in the the to the server world for quite a while now. You know, we're not talking uh, we're not talking of a company who's new to doing this kind of stuff. I mean, the power of YouTube alone um, has had to really push uh, their server capacity because, you know, sometimes they're delivering 8K content uh, across the globe. So uh, they know what they're doing in the server space. So uh, I, I have high expectations for the platform from them. And speaking of your high expectations, we're just going to tease now that we're going to do a video together talking about where the stadia is going to come from, what we sure. expect it to do. And I hope you're on board with that, Ben. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd love to talk about that. So uh, I'm very passionate about the, the gaming world, especially PC gaming, because it's kind of a, a collision of two passions for me. It's just technology and gaming. So I am very much looking forward to that. And it's going to be an interesting one. I think whatever Google does with Stadia is definitely going to be an interesting dynamic in, in the gaming world. So it'll be interesting to see what the reaction is from the long-term players. Brilliant. Well, I can't wait for that. Thank you very much, Ben. No worries. I'm always a pleasure to help and good luck with the rest of the episode. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ben. It's always nice to have you on the Gaming Corner. Now, let's continue on. So the stats are impressive on paper. However, it's still in the works and still not much is known about all three of these consoles. So why have I brought it up? Well, this is just a sort of a hook episode because next episode, I'm going to collab with Ben and we're going to talk about three key areas. What does this mean for the future of gaming? Where does this leave other gaming giants? And will the console soon be extinct physically? That episode hopefully comes out next week. And in the meantime, you can come to our website at thefreepixels.com, our Twitter, FreePixelsPod, as well as our Facebook, TheFreePixels. I've been Martin Gregory, and you've been listening to the Free Pixels podcast. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Three Pixels podcast with Alan Taylor, Martin Gregory, and me, Ben Ridley. Music provided by Epidemic Sound. With that, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Good night. <laughs>